New episode, Mark. New episode of the podcast. It smells fresh. We're making it right now. Yeah, I love a good. I love the. I love the scent of a of a brand new podcast in the morning. This podcast is called Modern Dadhood, and as we say at the top of every episode, it's an mm-hmm. ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. Truth. Your name. My name's Mark Checkett, and I'm a father to twin four-and-a-half-year-olds. They're both boys. What do you think about that? They sure are. I wasn't asking you. I think it's wonderful. You can give the listeners any time to answer before you answered. Anyway. My name is Adam Flaherty, and uh, I'm a dad to two daughters who are eight-and-a-half and and five-and-a-half. And Adam, we all recently got together. All of us. Your whole family... The little ones, me, my family, the little ones. And it was such a great time. You came to my house and it was absolutely it was nice time. wonderful. It was a wonderful time. I can't stop thinking about those smash burgers. I did make some burgies. And I, you know, your eldest was was wonderful. And she picked up in my living room is a copy of Shell Silverstein. Silverstein? Silverstein. Silver, you know it's Silverstein. Don't I'm pretend. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Shell Silverstein. I'm trying to come across as relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Shell Silverstein's. Uh, I don't even remember which one we have. One of them. Light in the Attic. Where the Sidewalk Ends. Where the Sidewalk Ends. And she was like, oh, I love that book. And then she proceeded to sit down and read to my children. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful It was moment. a special moment. There's really? photos. There's photo proof that that happened. It was absolutely fantastic. Before we get into the meat, so to speak, of this episode, uh, listeners, can we just ask that wherever you're listening right now, could you please take like 30 seconds, even less, 25, and whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music or Stitcher or Spotify or any platform, please do us a personal favor and give Modern Dadhood a rating and a quick review, even a few words. It goes a long way for us, and we would personally appreciate it. Mark and I would. Uh, Today's episode's an awesome one, and it will feature a conversation with Chris Miles, who considers himself an anti-financial advisor. I've wanted to do a show on money and finances for a while, so I'm I'm psyched for this, Mark. Same. I'm not going to lie. I took maybe more notes than normal during this chat with Chris, and I also, uh, I, I got like started listening to more podcasts and looking up more stuff on YouTube and reading more articles than usual. Also, he gave me a lot to think about is what I'm saying. I think he'll do the same for our listeners. I believe he will. And we'll play that conversation back soon. Hey, Adam, you have uh, money. Do I have yeah, money? You have money. Physically on my person right now or like you nah, know, in the bank like or what? Around. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I keep money around me, sure. What do you do with it? Do you do stuff with it? Do you uh I fill I fill up a swimming pool and dive into it kinda, like Scrooge McDuck? You sort of Scrooge McDuck with your money? I and wish I, I could yeah. do that. I wish I could do and that. I spit it out my beak up into the air like a little plume. No, in a, uh, on a serious note, uh-huh. um no, we're broke. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh well then this yeah, episode no, um, is not for you you're gonna need to what's interesting though like in th- in thinking about money though is that like i really we sarah and i mm. just like you and jamie like we're lucky that we have like jobs mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and some degree of job security and we make enough money to live comfortably but i don't really have any sense because it's sort of a taboo thing to talk about, right? I don't really have any sense of where we sort of stand among the general population of people yeah. our age. I feel you. And I don't think I really care or, or doesn't really matter to me as long as I can provide for my children and, ha- and like live a comfortable life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I, I, I mean, you can go to a financial advisor and they can advise you. They can tell you, you know, hey, you're this age. You have about this many working years left. Whatever they, whatever they advise you to do. My thing is that I, and this probably speaks to the, the privilege that I, I have. I feel privileged enough to the point where I haven't, I haven't had to sit down and really devote my thoughts fully to money and to what I'm doing with it and to what it's, it's potentially doing for me and, uh, thinking about long-term future. And of course- When kids came into the picture, it became extremely clear to me that it was of the utmost importance to start to think that way. And and I think just living for that long and not thinking that way, because my wife and I were married for quite a number of years before we had kids, and just in general, two other major things, a general lack of understanding <laughs> about money. Yeah. And then because of, probably because of that, it's like an A and a B or like a one and a one and a half things. It's that general lack of understanding coupled with uh, a little bit of fear of the unknown, I think, that has kept the topic at like arm's length. Well, is it the unknown in that like things like the stock market or any sort of investments are just uh, intimidating to learn about? So like there's you you were reluctant to explore that stuff or experiment with that stuff because you feel like you don't know enough about it and it could cause you to lose a lot of money. I think that's a big part of it. I think that's it. That's a big part of it. And then that's the that's I think where the sort of like I don't know about it and therefore I'm a little bit intimidated or fearful of it, you know? Sure. And then the other side is, is doesn't have anything to do necessarily with investing or anything like that, but more just the saving. And it's less, it's less fear and more of just like, I I don't, I don't know what the best thing to do is, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll, Oh, I just got a new job. I guess I'll take the 401k. It's always just like, a a line item on a form or something or, or a, or a box that I'm checking or like a seminar that I'm, I'm listening to upon first starting a job or or something like that, where I've always been like, well, yeah, saving money is good. What is, what's the normal stuff to do? I'll do that. Traditionally speaking up to a point, I hadn't given a lot of thought to it. Um, but it's, but sure. And even getting involved with someone who is a financial advisor, I mean, it just requires a level of, of trust, you know, because if you don't know what your options are, you're putting a lot of faith in someone to like make decisions for you without knowing exactly even maybe how they benefit from the relationship. But I do think it's good to seek out some kind of counsel, some kind of professional counsel, but it's equally as important, 
I've, I've come to realize that you need to put in the effort. You need to do the due diligence of getting a better handle and better understanding on your finances and what your situation, whatever it may look like means for your, your future. Right. Because there are sort of some basic, not rules, but basic sort of agreed upon understandings of you should keep this much like liquid cash in the reserves in case you lose your job or there's an emergency with your house and you need to, whatever your situation is, can you continue to operate that way for, I think they say three to six months without a job. And if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can save more beyond that. Do you put it in the 401k? Do you do a college fund for right. your kids? So many choices. Is higher ed even going to be the same thing? You know, my oldest daughter is eight, you know, in 10 years when she's starting to do that stuff. I don't even know if higher ed is going to exist in the way that it does now. <laughs> I know. So the money that we've put into like a college account for it, like hopefully it can be withdrawn and, and used. Or should you look at the stock market or is that too risky or should you look at real estate or should you look at, at all sorts of different alternative investments? And like, that's where I, I think you're supposed to buy a bunch and- of gold bars and put them in your basement. <laughs> yeah. And then, and also learn how to farm, <laughs> become that's a farmer too. Yes. Yeah. Well, I also, before we share the recent chat that we had with Chris Miles, I also want to just, I guess, acknowledge that regardless of your situation and my situation that we're kind of talking about and our understanding or, or lack of understanding <laughs> yeah. about the financial world, I realize that everybody, all, all of our listeners are in a different position. And that's one of the reasons that I also wanted to, to bring Chris on the show, because I know that a lot of us are still paying off you know, college debt, you know, as we're thinking about our kids' education and as we're thinking about covering our rent and mortgage, and it can be very overwhelming. So even for those of us who aren't in any position to make any sort of investment, just having somebody come on that can kind of set the stage for some of those basics and just get you thinking about what's possible for when you are in a position to start saving a little bit of money, I thought would be really useful. And and Chris definitely delivered um, on some of those great tips. Can we play back the tape? Do you have the tape handy? Yeah, let me grab the 8-track. Go grab the cassette. The reel-to-reel. Here goes. I'm excited to introduce Chris Miles to the show. Chris considers himself an anti-financial advisor who works with individuals and businesses to increase their cash flow, uh, often using non-traditional methods, which I want to get into in a bit. Uh, Chris lives in Utah. He's a dad of eight, which I also want to get into in a bit. Uh, And he hosts a podcast called Money Ripples. So Chris, welcome to Modern Dadhood. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. So speaking of eight kids, before we jump into the money stuff. We'd love to hear a little bit about your family, you, and of course, I mean, eight kids. We're wondering how you even have time to do anything other than dad stuff. (laughs) So let us know your secrets. (laughs) Yeah. Some days it's kind of like a jungle gym, right? Like it's kind of, it's a little tough for sure. I I think the hardest time I ever had as a dad was having my first, Hmm. my first oldest child. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I, I think I stink. You know, I remember thinking maybe I'll have four or five kids. And then after the first one, I said, 
maybe I'm stopping at one. Wow. Maybe I'm done with <laughs> yeah. this, you know, because it's such a big adjustment because you can't just think about yourself anymore. You have to think about somebody else. Six of them are mine. Two of them are my wife's. We both have blended our families together from previous marriages. Right. I mean, we've got five of, of those eight that are teenagers now. Um, that's good and bad, you know, depending on how you look at it. But for mm-hmm. the most part, that's good. So they do take care of themselves for the most part. And it gets a little bit easier. Uh, but I mean, definitely when when all my kids are here and because of the divorce situation, they're either on or off. So we have them either all together or all apart. So right now, wow. as, as of the recording right now, there's nobody here. It's just my wife and I. So it's like we're empty nested. What a dynamic but, that must must be to go back and forth from. Do you find that? So, you know, we talk a lot on the show about work life balance and especially in the last few years, how, you know, there's been a huge shift in the idea of work life balance as so many people are working from home. But do you find that most of your working hours are put into the days when it's just you and your wife and then you spend a lot more time focused on family when the kids are home? Yeah, it's a little easier to do that, Um, mostly because being an entrepreneur, I have that ability, that flexibility to do that. But um, for example, um, Friday mornings, Fridays in general, usually I can't do anything. It's like, don't you dare work. Don't <laughs> you do anything right now because those kids need to be fed breakfast. You're cooking, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so especially when my kids come, she's like, you're cooking, yeah. you know, you're doing all the food. Yeah. And so I just try to schedule my schedule around that and, and make it work. I just picture like, I just picture like a professional version of like some project management software, you know, you got like monday.com or something for like your professional life, but then you have the, the version of monday.com for just like the personal life, taking all the, all the tasks, Mm -hmm. cooking, cleaning, getting the kids ready, making sure this kid has that, you know, can only imagine it's, it's, it's uh, two very chaotic worlds happening simultaneously. I can always tell when the kids want something because I have a glass door over here and and they'll walk by the glass door. They'll kind of walk past and then go back again. It's like, okay, they're like a fish, you know, a shark swimming around in a fish yeah. tank, you know, like they want That's something, great. you know. That's a great image. Chris, I invited you on the podcast because I've, I've personally been learning a lot from listening to Money Ripples and, you know, thinking about how so much of what you talk about has real value to parents who are thinking about things like how to save for retirement Uh, how to save for their kid's education, um, but a lot of whom are also paying mortgages or paying rent, uh, like paying off student loans, which they're going to be doing for years or decades, um, and and maybe wondering like how they'll ever be able to to catch up or to um, to live comfortably or to, you know, start building wealth and find the financial freedom that you talk about a lot. I know that you experienced a lot in terms of your personal finances um, at a young age. And I'm hoping that maybe you can start by giving us a little background on your story and sort of how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Going back to my young age, you know, I was, I was raised by a dad that, um, you know, had great values, hardworking man. Uh, but when it came to money, definitely scarcity, right? It was always like, we can't afford this. What do you think? Money grows on trees. I'm not made of money, you know? And, uh, and even things about his work, he'd say, I'm just going to have to work until I'm dead. You know, like work will probably kill me. And, uh, and, and it just about did, you know, I mean, the right. guy had several heart attacks before he even retired from his job. You know, mm-hmm. he even had a stroke in his forties. I mean, the guy just, you know, it, it was kind of a rough life for him a little bit. And so I remember seeing that. I was like, I don't want to ever live that kind of life myself. I don't want to become like him. And so as I got older, you know, I decided I want to be an entrepreneur. 
And as I was looking to be an entrepreneur, I'm like, well, what do I do? What kind of business? And the first one that came up that, that kind of sparked something in me was being a financial advisor. Cause I thought, wait, if I learn a lot about money, then I can actually not just help myself, but I can even make sure I help my dad, you know, break his chains that he was yoked by. And so I became a financial advisor. And then after a few years, next thing I know that instead of my dad giving me advice, then he asks me for advice. And yeah, he said, and I'm sitting down at his table and he said, all right, Chris, what do you got for me? Like, what can I do here? And, uh, and I looked at it and even though he's proud, he paid off his house early. He was totally debt free. He'd saved a ton into his 401ks. As I you know, looked at the numbers, I said, well, dad, you're 61 years old. If you try to retire today, you would pretty much have to hope you die by age 67 hmm. because that's when you'll run out of money. <laughs> and understand he did everything right. Yeah. Everything that financial advisors, including myself, had told him to do. He's like, well, okay, that's not a good option. What else can I do? And that's when I realized something. I said, wait a minute, I can't even help my dad. Uh, even worse, when I looked at my own clients, I looked at them and they even had decades of advice from other financial advisors before they came to me. And I looked at their situation. I said, well, they can't really retire either. Nobody's really financially free here. And then most importantly, I looked at all the financial advisors around the office, including myself, and realized they're not financially free either. There's guys been working here since the 1970s and are still in the rat race. They're still stuck here. In fact, I can see my future. It's my dad and it's all my clients. That's my future. I don't want to repeat that future. And so that's when I said, okay, I got to find another answer here. I started looking outside the financial services industry, right? I started looking outside the traditional financial advice you're told. And, uh, and I started finding people that were actually millionaires, people that were financially free, some of them even in their 20s and 30s. And, and I found out they're doing things like real estate investing and different stuff. And uh, so I actually quit being a financial advisor, vowed never to go back again, started following their advice. And the next thing I know, um, later that year, I was 28 years old and financially independent where I didn't have to work anymore. I had enough passive income coming in to pay my bills. Now, granted, I only had two kids barely at that time, two little kids. All I had to do is get something that paid me regular, stable, passive income. Things like real estate investing, you know, even things like, you know, if you have a business, you know, if you have a business, can you generate things through multiple streams of income there? Can it be things like you remake money while you sleep where it's automatic, like products or things like that, or memberships, um, even like JV opportunities, things like that you can do even without money. There's so many things you can actually create that can generate income for you without you having to work your tail off all the time. You mentioned the phrase, uh, well, two phrases, financial freedom and financial independence. Do you uh -huh. use those kind of interchangeably? I, the, the idea of financial freedom is like this sort of romantic uh, thing, but is there kind of a, a agreed upon definition of what that means? Is there a, a, a formula having X amount of money in reserves or is it just this idea that you are able to live comfortably off of passive income that you make? Yeah, it's a good question because um, I separate them. I separate the two. So financial independence is when you have enough passive income coming in to pay for your bills, right? To pay for your monthly expenses. Um, that's financial independence. But I know people that are financially independent that do not feel financially free. Financial freedom goes deeper. Now, financial freedom could be that you go well above and beyond financial independence, right? You're not just paying your bills. You've got more than enough to be able to do other things too, to enjoy life. But I would take it a step further and say it's more of a mindset than it is just simply uh, something that's on your bank account or on your, you know, on your numbers, right? Because 
I've known people that have had millions of dollars and still feel broke. Hmm. Yeah, so it's not a, a certain dollar amount that makes people financially free. So there is a big difference between these two philosophies. So some of the concepts that you're talking about to, you know, potentially many of our, our listeners, me included, would could seem really uh, unattainable, you know, or, or, as, or as they hear these things and they think that's not I can't even go there because I've got these big student loans or you know, I've got this much to pay off on my house or, you know, in in my case, I'm sure a lot of people fall into this category, like medical bills, uh, even just around, for example, bringing kids into this world, bringing kids into your life might've been a bit of a medical struggle and you rack up these bills, right? So many people sort of fall into this category. And so I think I would assume that sometimes people hear these kinds of terms, you know, passive income, they might think it's time and I don't have that. So I'm going to ignore it. Or they might hear financial uh, independence and they might say, well, good for you, but I, I got to stay here in, in this moment and I got to get to the end of the week or something like that. And they feel like it's not attainable for them. If you're talking with someone or people in this type of position, where do you kind of start? with with something like advice to get somebody to be open to entering into this topic or or thinking about this or changing their perspective where do you begin with advice or what type of best practices do you start with suggesting for folks like that well first understand that i wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth right not only was i raised by a dad that was super cheap um, that says, good luck paying for your own college, which means I got student loans too. Mm-hmm. I was, I was the sole breadwinner at what, after our first child was born and my wife wasn't working. I was make, working a part-time job, making like 13,000 a year. And then the rest of it, I was trying to make up working part-time as a financial advisor as, as I was building up that business, you know, yeah. um, it was a struggle. And, and just so you know, the worst time of my life, financially speaking, was when I was over $1 million in debt and short about 15,000 or so a month. So I get it. Right. Yeah. So that's the first thing is just understand, like I've been there. And so I get all that. You know, I understand that um, the place for you to start is you have to change the way you see money. And it's not easy. In fact, the way you see money right now is not even your fault, because the truth is everybody's been brainwashing you that you have to have money to make money. Right. You know, being in that place where I had no money, no credit, and I had to dig out of that hole without filing for bankruptcy. It was tough. Right. It, it did not happen overnight you have to look at money differently. So the way you do that is you have to realize that everything is about having income coming in, right? I mean, definitely controlling your expenses. That's one thing that many people need to do is actually watch their expenses. So one tactical thing you can do, one strategic thing you can do is, is download the app Mint, like M-I-N-T, like, mm-hmm. oh, that smells nice. I've always right? been like curious Mint. about what folks like you think of something like Mint. Mint specifically is the one that kind of comes to mind a lot. Interesting yeah, to hear you say that. I think it's a great tool. I, yeah. I actually used it during those same hard times, yeah. you know, um, and see when, when money's abundant, it's like air. You never really count your breaths of air until the air is gone. Yeah. And then you count every single breath. Same thing is with money. When you feel a scarcity of money, then you really count it. See, when I got out of the rat race the first time, when I became financially independent when I was 28, you know, I was doing well for a good year and a half or so. But then I got lazy. I stopped focusing on the cash flow. I was like, well, maybe I can get really rich. Maybe I can do this and this. And I started becoming more of a gambler in my mind. And then I started a brand new business where all of a sudden when the recession hit, 
we were in the hole. Like we were, we were suffering, you know, we were struggling. Um, and I was paying out of pocket for those expenses and everything else. So here I am, the financial expert that was, you know, retired at 28. Now here I am at 31 broke, you know? So the thing is like you have to really look at how do I start getting that cash flow coming in? Control your expenses. That's why you use Mint, right? So monitor that because your money's going to get spent one way or the other. Even if you spend it into a savings account, you're still, that money has to have a job. Every dollar needs to have a job. So understand what you're spending first. Understand how much is actually going out, but also understand how much is coming in. And you can only cut down expenses so far. It's good to get rid of expenses that aren't worth it, but income is limitless, you know, that's the place where you can go to. And it doesn't always require more time. The thing that got me liberated the very first time was understanding that there's a, a principle that's worked since the beginning of time. No matter the economy, no matter the recessions or depressions, one principle has always worked if you want to make more money. It's, it's where you stop asking the question, how do I make more money? Mm. <laughs> but instead, instead of asking for the result, ask for the cause of money. How do I actually... How do you create more money? It comes from the simple one principle, which is dollars follow value. If you understand that you get paid because you're providing a value or a service or solving problems for somebody else, yeah. then money is not mysterious anymore. And when you start to come from a place of how can I solve problems? How can I serve people in a way that naturally dollars has to be exchanged for that? They, they need to have me in their life. That's why they want to pay more. Then everything becomes less mysterious about money. And that's huge. You mentioned a phrase that's stuck with me for the last couple of minutes. Uh, you, you talked about a period where you were kind of gambling with real estate and it made me start to think a little bit about, you know, risk tolerance. Uh, for me, I'm someone who's always been very entrepreneurial. And so there's all, I'm always sort of open to taking calculated risk when it comes to yeah. starting a business or starting a podcast that's going to require, you know, a little bit of money to get things up and going and, um, and monthly fees and things like that. I always just think about what's the worst case scenario if this flops and I lose the money. Um, but I guess when it comes to saving money or investing money, uh, you know, with people, maybe younger parents who do have a lot, a, a lot of, um, a lot of debt that they're working towards paying down, what kind of recommendations do you typically make when it comes to risk tolerance? The thing is, I, here's, the, here's the problem. Like the definition of risk is chance of loss. So if you have a high risk, say that that risk, that chance of loss is 90%. There's people out there teaching a lie that high risk creates high returns, right? Well, when did a 90% chance of losing become a 90% chance of winning? <laughs> That's right? a good question. <laughs> when you start to think of it from a common sense standpoint, you're like, wait a minute. This doesn't add up. Like, I, I don't have to be a math major to figure out that 90 plus 90 does not equal 100, right? <laughs> it's a 10% chance of winning. And the people that taught you that were people from the financial world, especially financial institutions like banks and companies like Fidelity, Merrill Lynch, people like that, who actually literally make bank. And there's kind of a pun there, but they do make bank off of you taking all the risks while they take none of the risks. Just think about it. When uh, you put money like into a 401k, for example, and you pick whatever funds you're investing in, you know, when you do that, it's your money at risk, not theirs. Just like when you put your money in the bank, you know, it's, it's not the bank's money. The bank's just borrowing your money, go lend out to somebody else, right? They don't even have to use their own money. They want you to put more money in. And they're the ones that say, you take all the risk. We're just going to invest your money, but we're going to mm -hmm. take that assets under management. 
So they're the ones that taught us that high risk creates high returns because they want us to take the risk so they don't have to. Flip the tables around and think of it this way, just like you were saying there, right? You were saying, I want calculated risks as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs get it. Like the more common sense you use, the more that financial advice sounds stupid, right? Because you want calculated risks or even more importantly, controlled risk. Because one of the questions you're asking with the calculated risk is, well, can I control the outcome here? Can I do something about this? Can, if something goes wrong, can I change the direction? Can I make it work? Can I pivot or do something so that I don't lose my money, right? Same thing with investing. I want to take low risk to create higher, more calculated returns. A lot of what we're talking about kind of falls into this sort of general bucket of like financial literacy, right? And I think all of us can probably level up. Everybody can probably level up mm -hmm. in terms of financial literacy. But I'm just curious from, a, from a, a person like you, especially somebody who has eight children, at what age do you start to approach your kids about teaching them things about fiscal responsibility or building up their financial literacy? From your point of view, like when should that begin? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it depends on the topic. Um, like for example, early on, even when they're young, the, the one thing that you won't hear my kids say are the words, um, well, unless they go back with their mom for an extended period of time, <laughs> but you won't hear the words, we, you know, I can't afford it. Hmm. Like that, those are words that are like swear words in my house. Right. <laughs> and so I teach my kids that I was like, no, you can afford anything you want, you know? So things like that, just like their language and, and talking abundantly in your house, um, is, is important. You know, and then when even when they're young, like, um, you know, even when they start to do like a few little chores, you know, and that could be like five, six, seven years old or whatever, um, maybe younger, depending on the kid. Um, you know, if you pay them for chores and we teach them to give away 10 percent, you know, tithe 10 percent that you give to a charity or your church or whatever it might be. And then you have another one or two dollars we put in a savings account. You don't see, but the other seven bucks you can spend however you want. And if they have a thing that they really want, like a. Uh, my wife had a daughter that wanted a metal detector because she wanted to go around looking for lost treasure Great. or coins or whatever. Like she saved up. So she had a separate account for that. She took less spending money and put more in there to save up to buy those things. A ton of really, really insightful information here, Chris, and, and really fascinating. So thank you. Thank you very much for, for coming on the show and for spending so much time chatting with us about this stuff. Absolutely. I know you spend a lot of time doing it on your own show. So Really appreciate you coming on Modern Dadhood to talk with us about it. Always such an honor. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Dads, you can learn more about Chris Miles and his team by going to moneyripples.com. You can find the Money Ripples podcast uh, probably anywhere that you find Modern Dadhood. I highly recommend you check it out. Chris, thank you so much. Is there anywhere anywhere else that you would do you like people to connect with you on LinkedIn? Anywhere else that people can find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, if you use social media, you can anything that's at Money Ripples, you can find us on any social media or just go to moneyripples.com. Very good. Chris, thank you so much. We wish all the best to you and your family. Thanks. Mark, there's a recurring segment mm -hmm. that we've been doing, you know, for the history of the show. Mm -hmm. We haven't done it in a while. The introduction to it sort of involves you doing a little cut like Bill Curtis or Carl Castle kind of impression. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I do. <clears throat> I do. <clears throat> One second. <clears throat> and the segment is called. Did I just say that out loud? Um, I have a, did I just say that out loud? I'm glad you do because I came 
unprepared. Here's here's the here's the game. I'm going to say the entry, uh, and then I'm and then I'm going to give you three scenarios. You're going to choose which scenario we were in when I said the thing. I'm giddy, man. I love I what love you when you create these little games. Okay, <laughs> okay, here <laughs> we go. <clears throat> what I said was, uh, now is not a good time to have your penis out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> those boys, man, they always have it out too, don't they? I mean, look, it's a fascinating appendage. Okay, you wrote a song <laughs> sometime <I did>. <laughs> last year that we included in an episode called "Oops, Penis Out." Oops penis out yep 100 percent. okay so the, the quote again is now is not a good time now is not a good time to have your penis out okay yes so were we these are the scenarios were we a in the living room playing shoots and ladders b in the front yard throwing baseball or c at the dinner table having tacos you were throwing baseball. So was it baseballs or throwing a baseball? <laughs> um, we were throwing. We. What's your? <laughs> so so here's your where, here's where my brain starts grouping things together. I feel okay. like in your house. So whether uh-huh. you are in the living room or at the dinner table, it's a little bit safer than outside, right? Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like the, the but, logic here. Yeah, but there's something about you know having genitals out at the dinner table. You know that sure. that that might prompt a quote like that. Potentially there's a line being crossed there. I think I'm going to nix the first one. So it's either B or C it's throwing baseball or it's uh, eating tacos. Uh Uh, Neither of them are a great time to have your stuff out. Not really. No, (laughs) but I think you said it. Oh man, this is tough. I'm going, I'm (sighs) wavering back and forth. Tacos. You're eating tacos. Ooh. Fudge. It was so base, you were throwing baseball. Give him a round. Give him a round of applause, oh, folks. At least there man, was a good effort. I there. almost leaned that way. Now we were in the front yard. You know, I got I got two kids. One's there. One's over there. And I'm going back and forth. It's your turn. And then they throw it back to me. Hey, now it's your turn. And uh, we went through like one round. And then I look over at at one of them has sort of drifted off closer to the the road. And he he was wearing. Only undies, because this was in the evening. And I look over and he's doing he's doing the thing. Some of our male listeners out there will will know <laughs> will know this trick where you just roll dads, you know when you're fishing around. <laughs> well, he's got he pulled the one pant leg up and over. <laughs> you know? So he didn't he didn't yep. take him off or anything. He just rolled the one pant leg up and over and to just He shot the stuff down one leg of the <laughs> the tidy one. To wings. just fully expose. And wasn't even he was just he was just kind of looking at it. You know, like kind of I think he was just kind of looking at it in the sunlight because the light the sun admiring was going down it. and he may have just been sort of admiring. I'm not really sure. Created a cool shadow. Yeah. But we were in a good we were in a good groove of like back and forth with the ball. And so I was just about to sort of throw the ball at him when I noticed oh. that he didn't he was doing this. And so I said, uh, uh, now's not a good time to have your penis out. If you didn't happen to see it at that very moment and, and you and, proceeded and to throw, throw the ball, ball uh-huh. you could have basically ruined his could life. Been, he, well, he, 
I certainly could have dissuaded him from ever playing the sport again. Well, no, but you said that out no loud. injuries, but I did say that out loud. That's a good one. Yep. Like it. Thanks for the quiz. Sure thing, man. Guess that's the end. Well, thanks for listening to Modern Dadhood. You're welcome. Not you. Listener, uh, again, uh, please consider leaving a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It would go a long way for us, even if it's just a review of a few words. And even if they're not particularly complimentary, they're just neutral, but just you words. still give us all the stars. That yeah. works, too. You could say, you could say uh, Modern Dadhood is a show, and that would be an accurate statement didn't much like it can stop right there (laughs) we also would challenge you in the most polite way possible to tell one friend about the show would you do that for us just one friend yes i will again not you oh jeez well you know you're looking at me and hey you could also find us on instagram facebook or linkedin by simply searching modern dadhood And we have t-shirts and dad hoodies available for purchase on our website if you want to wear our amazing uh, nostalgic logo across your chest. Just go to moderndadhood.com and hit the shop button. Your friends will say, oh, wow, how fashion forward of you. Every order ships with a free sticker. We also have an email address that's hey at moderndadhood.com and you could write us anytime you want. Thank you very much to Casper Baby Pants. That didn't sound genuine. Thank you very much Try to it again. Casper. One more time. We want to extend our most sincere thanks to Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Albee for Modern Dadhood's theme music. We want to thank Mr. Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio. That's redvaultaudio.com for mixing the show and making us sound good. Nay, great. Much better. Also, thanks to our guest today, Chris Miles. Thanks for going the extra miles and joining us on the show to talk about money. And and thank... Oh. And thank... Oh. All right, Mark, close it out. Close it out your the way that only you can do. And thank you for listening.